Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, October 31st, 2017, Halloween, and you know what that means, it's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 48 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Blob, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, happy Halloween, my friend. What are you supposed to be this year? What are you supposed to be this year? Uh, well, first, happy Halloween to you. And second, uh, I am sadly not wearing my costume, but I will tell you exactly what I was wearing earlier. I was uh, Vincent Vega, one of the hitmen from the movie Pulp Fiction. Um, okay. So, yes, it was uh, it was pretty all right. You see, Mr. Nice Guy, I had really uh, been excited to make a Loki costume. Okay, and, uh, yep. and I, I got the wig, and I got a part of the way through actually making uh, making the clothes. The jacket is where I kind of got a little bit stuck, because sadly I had a lot of other things pop up while I was attempting to get the jacket finished and could not finish it in time. Dude, Loki would have been timely. Down. The Thor movie just came out, so that would have been very timely, you know what I mean? Yes, and I was really looking forward to it because uh, because I was going to be in a few situations where I really wanted I was going to be seated in a hall and I really wanted to uh, to just look at the person who was giving their presentation and smile evilly from uh, you know while dressed head to toe like Loki you know for those of you who are watching the video here as we do this live I am grinning with my best evil uh, grin right now. I can confirm it's very evil. Ten out of ten for evilness. Oh, thank you, Mister Nice Guy. So it is. Uh, it is one of those things where I was really excited about it, but I just didn't get it done in time. And so, with uh, Halloween fast approaching and my Halloween party, which uh, which took place on Saturday, and I'll come back to that. But with my Halloween party, I had this wig, and I thought, man, what you know, what can I do? So I threw on a suit and a black tie with a single Windsor knot. It hurts me to admit that I wore a single Windsor knot on a tie. That's, I mean, you know, I haven't done that since I was like three, five years old. I've known how to tie a double Windsor, and you know, once you go double Windsor, you basically never go back. Uh, and I'm sure that there are some people out there who are nodding their head in agreement, and other people who are just like, I don't understand. I, I don't know if our target okay. demo really is is about the tie, the tie life. I don't know if they're about that tie game, Mac. It's true, but John... You know who I'm talking to. John, yes, you. You're on the subway right now. I know that you know what I'm talking about. I know that you and I share that bond of double Windsor ties. And I'm, I'm just glad that you know now that, 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 we, that we share that. So I've got your back, John. Even if Mr. Nice Guy doesn't get this. You and I, we know what's going on. Now, so I, it's, actually, it's I have an him. extensive tie collection, just so we're on the same page. I'm just saying... There's not a lot of crossover between people who play a lot of video games and people who have tie game. Like, I'm that 1% that has a lot of ties, that has a good tie game, but also plays video games. And, Mac, you're part of it, too, as far as your ability to tie a tie. That's all I'm saying. Of those of us who do wear ties, Double Windsor is objectively the best. But anyway, so I went as Vincent Vega because that was easy. I had this stuff already. 
and uh, and just went like that. So, uh, Mr. Nice Guy, I should probably let you tell us a quick bit about your weekend before I circle back to the crowning achievement this weekend of the Halloween party, because there is something very notable. Dude, I actually don't have anything about the weekend. The weekend was very laid back, went trick-or-treating a couple times with the kids. Uh, you, I, it used to be that you could go trick-or-treating one time, right? And mm-hmm. that was on Halloween. But now you go trick-or-treating at their school. And we did a church trick-or-treat. And then there was a trick-or-treat downtown. And then today was the trick-or-treat in the neighborhood. So that's four times. My kids don't need that much candy, dude. That's, it's just insane. Um, but it was So fun. do you dad tax your children's candy? I, I, yeah, I did. I had to test it for safety. You know what I mean? I don't want my kids getting poisoned. I'll take the bullet on that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I only tested Reese's and Snickers. Um Everything else I just assume was safe. Uh, and, yeah, that's kind of how I did it in, in my house. But uh, some cool news. I'm headlining a show this weekend. Uh, you guys know if you follow the, the stream, I do stand-up comedy. And I'm headlining a show at this place called the B- Brick Lounge in Illinois. Uh, so if you live here locally, you can come check that out. Or tweet at me at NiceGuyGaming for more details. They did manage to spell my name ridiculously wrong on the poster. Uh, and I gave him a tough time about it. But other than that, that's what I had, Mac. I want to hear the rest of your cool stuff. What's going on? Okay, so we had a uh, so we had a Halloween party at my place. Invited a lot of people, arguably more people than what my place could comfortably accommodate. But that's okay. People came and went as they as they had uh, as they had other engagements. But we had it on Saturday instead of on you know instead of today as you know uh, because well hey you know weekend better time for parties. But I, of course, as you know, Mr. Nice Guy, not a drinker. I'm a teetotaler, never touch the stuff. But we happened to have, uh, we happened to have a lot of people who came. They brought their own, you know, they brought their own alcohol, and everybody had a good time. But, uh, but most everybody else had had a few drinks, and so when somebody suggested that, uh, that we should play an impromptu game of Dungeons and Dragons, you know who was sober enough to take advantage of all those poor inebriated people? That's right. This guy. What did you do, Mac? This guy. What oh, no. did you do? No, no. I did nothing except for be a fantastic dungeon master. They all, though, were, were, were inebriated enough to agree to play a game of Dungeons & Dragons. I had a lovely time, and everybody had a lovely time. But I'm just saying that, thank goodness, their defenses were lowered so that we could... Uh, so that we could have that game of Dungeons and Dragons happen. So we had an impromptu, you know, hour and a half, two hour game of Dungeons and Dragons. Real quick, real fun. It's been it's been ages since I've played, and uh, and it was just it was just really great. Nothing anyone was planning, but we all had a really great time, and that is frankly the highlight of my week. And it's probably been like the high, the unexpected highlight of my month, if I'm honest. Dude, that's fantastic. Now, uh, did you incorporate Halloween into the game in any way? No, are you kidding? It's a fantasy world. No Halloween needed. Yeah, because everything that involves Halloween is totally real. There's no fantasy there. That's why I was asking. <laughs> All right, well, Mac, on that note, man, I say we do what we do best, and we hop right into the gaming news, my friend. What do you think? Let's do it. Guys and girls and kids, welcome to Two Nerds in a Pod, episode number 48. If you are just joining us, uh, we talk about video games here, and we uh, we have fun once a week here on twitch.tv backslash Two Nerds in a Pod. Uh, so let's start with let's start with something that everyone knew was going to happen. 
Player Unknown Battlegrounds has a release date for the Xbox. This is on Game Informer. It says confirmed during a Microsoft special event stream that much anticipated Player Unknown Battlegrounds will be releasing on the Xbox One on December 12th, making good on the promised 2017 release date by a scant few weeks. The game, which is being published by Microsoft on the Xbox One, but has been on available. This is bad English. But it's been available as an early access title on PC since April is Microsoft's big move to get attention for the Xbox One and Xbox One X this holiday. It is not surprising as Battlegrounds has slowly and quietly become one of the biggest games in the world over the last six months. One major change for the Xbox version is that unlike the PC version, the game will run on Microsoft's internal Azure servers rather than the Amazon servers that are being used now. This also limits any possibility of crossplay, but the possibility was already unlikely due to differences between a mouse and a controller in terms of aiming. Uh, what do you think, Mac? Is uh, well, no, that's that's it's obviously gonna sell well. It's obviously gonna sell well. But just generally, man, games that are in beta for a year and then come out, quote unquote, come out and they're released. What are your thoughts on that process, man? Are you old school? Do you want the games to just be announced, show us a trailer and then give us the game? Or do you like the fact that developers are using the consumer to play test the game for, you know, six months to a year before it comes out? Well, Mr. Nice Guy, you know I'm very much of two minds of this. Um, I'm someone who spends a lot of time on Kickstarter and crowdfunding websites, and uh, in general, one of the things that is often given, often offered there as a reward or an incentive happens to be alpha access, beta access, and I enjoy that sort of thing. I enjoy having a hand in the creation of the game, even if it's just in the sort of beta test or uh, or bug fixing, finding, but sometimes in the sort of, you know, feedback way. I really enjoy that for smaller companies. For larger companies, I really don't have much of a, I, I really don't appreciate it much. Um, a non-video game related example, I found out recently that uh, LeVar Burton has a podcast. He does, no way. Does he read he, books? He does. What? He does oh, I spoiled books. it. He really does. I didn't he, know. He really does, and I was instantly upset about this because, in my opinion, Mr. Nice Guy, podcasting is kind of the back channel of communication. Um, someone with a front channel, like LeVar Burton, shouldn't get to back channel. It's just, I just feel like it's, bah, this is for the small people. People this who aren't established people. is what you're yes, saying. Yes, people who aren't established. So, uh, so often when we have long betas in games from a AAA developer, I don't feel as kindly toward it. This is a good analogy. I get where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I feel like that's just kind of my thing. And maybe it's illogical. Maybe it's stupid. But that's kind of the way I feel about it. I feel when we've got, uh, even if we have long beta periods, but if we've got that with small developers where I, I feel like I feel like it's an advantage. Um, and it's a good thing, but with large developers, I feel like it's not. It's a really um, good way of putting it. So, yeah. Really good way of putting it, man. Uh, I'm old school, man, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in topic of the show, so I won't I won't get too far ahead of myself there. Uh, but we have more news stories. So our next news story comes from GameSpot.com. It deals with my favorite game right now, Destiny 2. Uh, and it says, as you might expect, the f- I don't know why I said that like that. Uh, Destiny 2 
So I'm going to say it from now on every time it comes up, even as I'm reading this article. As you might expect, the first Destiny 2 DLC expansion, The Curse of Osiris, will raise the game's level cap. That applies to both the standard player level and power levels, according to new details shared by Activision and Bungie. Following the Curse of Osiris' announcement during Sony's Paris Games Week showcase, the company shared additional details at the event, Eurogamer reports. Players will be able to reach level 25 up from their current cap of 20, and power level 330 up from 300. Presumably, that means you'll be able to make it to power level 335 through the use of mods, as you can reach 305 now. There's going to be some other new perks. I'm not going to read all the new stuff that's going to happen in Destiny 2, uh, but they did say that there will be a PS4 exclusive Crucible map coming in the Curse of Osiris called Wormhaven. It's set in Titan's new Pacific archaeology, excuse me, arcology area, and will eventually be released on Xbox One and PC, but not until late next year at the earliest. Curse of Osiris comes out on December 5th, all platforms. Something to look forward to for all those of you who, like me, are really into Destiny right now. Let's keep it moving. Now, Mac, if you had to guess, because we all know that Super Mario Odyssey just came out, right, for the Nintendo Switch... Uh, knowledge of this is inescapable at this point. What's that? Knowledge of it is inescapable, unless, you know, you you are Bowser, maybe. I don't know. Um, wh- how many copies would you guess that the game has sold? It came out on Friday. Uh, how many copies would you guess that the game has sold? I'll give you uh, a few seconds. You know, boop, I couldn't put a boop, number to boop, it, but, boop, I'm fam- boop, but I do believe that it sold more copies than Breath of the Wild. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to give you a number. This is on Game Rant. It says that it has already sold over 2 million copies, which is a lot. I don't know how many Switches are out there. Maybe this article will say. Let's read a little bit of it. This is on Game Rant. It says, After receiving a fair amount of criticism for content droughts with the Wii U, Nintendo has made sure that the Switch wouldn't follow that same path. Each month has essentially brought a high-quality release to the new system after its launch back in March, From The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild to Splatoon 2, prior to its release, most people assumed Super Mario Odyssey was being positioned as Nintendo's most important IP this year. As it turns out, the game is apparently selling much faster than people assumed. In its six-month financial report to investors, Nintendo revealed that Super Mario Odyssey has already sold more than 2 million copies in just the three days since launch. Nintendo estimates that about 7 million Switch consoles have been sold globally. See, there's the number I was looking for. Making the three-day numbers for the latest Mario game even more impressive. Ultimately, Nintendo is hoping that the game will eventually be seen as an evergreen title, showing solid sales longevity beyond the holiday market period. So, um, I'm actually surprised that uh, it's only 2 million? I I think a lot of people are probably waiting to buy it until Christmas. So, here's my situation. I want to play it now, and I have money to go buy it now, but I want it to be a present for my kids, right? Uh, My kids play the Switch probably more than I do. They play Mario Kart a lot. They don't really play Zelda, but I want this to be a game that they wake, wake up on Christmas morning, and they come downstairs, and they have it to play. So, for that reason, I've put off getting it, and I feel like there's probably some other parents who are in my in my position. Um... But, I mean, undoubtedly, I think that most of the people who own a Switch will probably buy this. Um, Mac, I know that you're really a retro gamer right now, but have you put any thought into getting a Switch? I have. Is the software appealing to you at this point? Eh, not really. Yeah, I figured. 
And, uh, I mean, someday I would love to play through all of the Mario games. I mean, I do have a reasonable number of them under my belt, um, and I'd love to complete the collection, as it were. But to reiterate, uh, because of what I felt like Nintendo's yep. repeated mishandling of their supply and demand of their supply chains, um, which I believe to be purposeful, I do refuse to give money to the <clears throat> to the Nintendo company. So, uh, so yeah, maybe if I find a good deal on a used one, uh, when somebody's, uh, I do find Mr. Nice Guy. Just as a general tip, yeah, if you're yeah. looking for something used. Um, a couple weeks after or around New Year's is a good time to hit pawn shops. Really? Why is that? Um, New Year's resolutions? I'm not playing any more video games. No. People tend tend to overspend around the holidays in Christmas, at least in the United States. And then when they have bills starting to come due the next month in, uh, in January... People tend to uh, tend to pawn things like video games. They tend to pawn Christmas presents. Interesting. Um, around that time, or at least that's been my experience. So, you know, past performance is not indicative of future results. That's right, dude. That's what we say in uh, in uh, investments as well. Well, cool. Um, all right, so let's keep it moving. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Sony Paris, right? Uh, Mac, you just mm-hmm. got super excited about something. I can see it. In your video nope. feed. Carry on. Carry on. Carry on. We'll talk about it later. Okay. So um, this article is on The Verge, and it's it's titled The 10 Biggest Announcements from PlayStation's Paris Games Week 2017 Keynote. Now, if you've been following video game news, you know that this just happened. Um, there were a lot of trailers shown for upcoming um, Sony exclusives. One of them was The Last of Us Part Two. They showed a, t- a trailer for that. They showed Detroit. Um, but these are like announcements. This list is the top 10 things that were announced. We already knew about Detroit. We knew about Last of Us. This is new stuff. So let's read these. And uh, in the chat, let us know if any of them excite you. Uh, the first one is The Ghost of Tushima. This is going to be made by Sucker Punch, the studio that you guys know made Infamous. Um, and, uh, and it says that it's going to be an open world adventure. The new title was teased with a brief trailer that showed off some incredibly stylized action set in what looks like feudal era Japan. Um, Sucker Punch makes fantastic games. So as someone who really likes the superhero genre in movies and in games, I'm excited to see what they can do with a new IP. Um, another game that was announced is Spelunky 2. Uh, Mac, did you know that that was coming? Mm-hmm. Now, you're a, aren't you a Spelunky? Aren't you a, like a procedurally generated fan? Are you a fan of those types of games? Uh, yeah, in general. Um, I have played Spelunky, and I... I I don't know. I don't think I've actually beaten Spelunky yet, but uh, but I have gotten pretty far down there. I'm about four, three or four worlds de- deep, but uh, okay. and have the shortcuts to prove it. But um, uh, but yeah, I don't think I've beaten Spelunky one yet. It's a fun game. You ever play The Binding of Isaac or any of those games before? They're also procedurally generated. Mac? Um, not Binding of Isaac, but uh, but procedurally generated. I do play a lot of procedurally generated okay. games. Good stuff. Well, for those of you who are into this kind of stuff, Spelunky 2. Now, here's one that got me really excited because this is a game that I played a lot with my kids. Really family-friendly game. Guacamelee 2 was announced. 
Um, it's a fantastic game, and it's described as the quirky, Lucador-inspired Metroidvania Guacamele is getting a sequel, and it's making its debut on the PlayStation 4. Um, the side-scrolling adventure is a direct follow-up to the 2013 original and will introduce a new threat to the very fabric of space and time, as well as much improved chicken action. Coming to the PS4 uh, soon, it says. The Gardens Between was announced. Megalith. I'm not going to read the descriptions of all of these. Final Fantasy XV, um, Episode Ignis. This is going to be the final major single-player add-on for Final Fantasy XV, if you're into that. The Hong Kong Massacre was also announced. And uh, I believe that's their top ten. Oh, no, wait, excuse me. Concrete Genie and Erica. Blood of Truth, or excuse me, Blood and Truth as well. Round out the list. So... Lots of cool stuff announced at PlayStation Paris. Uh, and I'm debating if we should share any more gaming news today. Let's do one more because I think this will get some good discussion, Mac. And I think that you may have some opinions about this. Uh, this is kind of an opinion piece, but also an observation piece that I found on Kotaku. It's written by a guy named Kirk Hamilton. Here's what he has to say. For the last 15 years or so, we have witnessed the rise of a great evil. The video game minimap. Recent events have given me hope that the dark era of the minimap may finally be coming to an end. At first I thought this was satire, because I don't really think minimaps are that big a deal, but let me continue reading. He says, For years it has been assumed that open world games require a minimap in the corner of the screen. From Grand Theft Auto 3 to Assassin's Creed to Red Dead Redemption, the minimap has been there, or excuse me, has sat there, full of icons coaxing your eyes away from the center of the screen. Come look at me, it says. I'm full of crucial information you can't get anywhere else. You need me. And then this year, some possible signs of a turning tide. Assassin's Creed Origin, the tenth or so game in the long-running series, has no minimap. Every single Assassin's Creed game has had a minimap until now. It's always been there, sitting in the corner of the screen. In Origins, it's gone. Now, I won't read the whole article. He goes on to talk about some other games from Ubisoft. Far Cry. Um, Far Cry 2, blah, blah, blah. Other games that do not have the minimap. And he thinks that we are reaching a point where you can simply put a compass on the screen and get rid of the minimap. Mac, I, I know you play a lot of, like, indie stuff, but I also know that you, you probably have played games where the minimap is very prevalent and useful. What do you think? Is it a nuisance... And should we move away from it? I have some opinions on this. I want to hear your opinions. This is a good question. And just kind of at the back of my head, I can't really put my finger on that many games that I've played with minimaps. And if I try, if I try, I want to say that the games that I have played with minimaps have tended to have the option to like turn the minimap on or off very simply. Not like a go through the menu and tick minimap on or off, but press this button again to remove the minimap. Toggle um, it on and off, yeah. Yeah, to just toggle it on and off. I've never felt like the minimap was a nuisance. Um, I'm afraid I just don't agree with that guy, um, but... Uh, at the same time, I feel like the fact that you can toggle on and off a minimap if you want on, and again, just my perception, most of the games I've played with minimaps, then I 
I mean, it's it's not something you're stuck with, so how can it be something so invasive and problematic? You know what I mean? I'm with you, and I, I get what he's saying, because some of these games, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't think you've played Red Dead Redemption, but it's such, at the time, it was such a beautiful game. There was so much cool stuff going on. It was so immersive that the minimap could be a distraction. And I think about Assassin's Creed, uh, I only played the first one, but I remember being so frustrated with all the little things that I had to do that were on the minimap, and it did become a distraction. So it was annoying, and I think that may be part of why I didn't like the game. That said, I cannot imagine playing a game like Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild without a minimap that allows me to, one, mark waypoints so that I can get where I'm going, and two, mark areas that I'm at where I'm not able to get an item because I don't have the correct gear so that I can come back later. Um, so, I mean, in, in that regard, it, it's so useful to have a mini-map. It doesn't distract. It actually helps you so that you you don't get lost in a huge, huge world and have to try to remember where everything is all the time. So I don't think we're moving away from it, and I think that people will provide the option to toggle it on and off more and more frequently, like you said, rather than eliminating it completely. Um... And that's what we had for news this week. Mac, I'll turn it over to you for our next segment. All right, so the next segment, those of you who've been here before, you will know this is the gaming history segment. Mr. Nice Guy has talked to us a little bit about what's going on with games right now. I want to take us a look into the past and discuss just a few that have come out this past week in years before and maybe some of the impacts that they've had on perhaps gaming in general. Uh, franchises, or even just us personally. And the first one that I want to mention is that in the year 2000, this past week, we saw the release of Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. So Majora's Mask was the second 3D game for the Zelda franchise, following up on the heels of Ocarina of Time. I think also Majora's Mask probably holds the uh, title as being... Probably the most divisive, opinion-wise, yep. of uh, of the Zelda titles, because there are a lot of people who really love Majora's Mask, think it's superior to Ocarina of Time, and there are a lot of people who really don't like it. This, of course, uh, this, of course, most of it, the people who dislike it, is rooted in the new idea that. Uh, that Majora's Mask rolled with about having the three days period before the, you know, before the end of the game, having to go back through the game and reset it so, to the first day so that you could keep moving through, and in the course of which, losing a lot of things, like, for example, your money. Yep. Um, uh, oh, what other things did you lose, Mr. Nice Guy? Because, after all, I still haven't played Majora's uh, Mask I played yet. it so long ago, but I believe you could lose items. Mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. And it was just, it was a frustrating experience if you didn't have the patience to deal with it. That's mm -hmm. why it's so divisive. And how about you, Mr. Nice Guy? Did you have the patience to, I to didn't, deal with it? I didn't, man. I never finished that Zelda game simply because it was too frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a definitely divisive. I mean, I'm, I personally, like I said, I haven't played it. I have it. So I do have that option and I'm going to make some time at some point in the future, but no question about it, it's definitely the most divisive of the Zelda series, of the whole Zelda franchise. So, yeah. So, uh, moving right along, item number two that I want to mention is Resident Evil 4. 
which was released in 2005. Now, what is definitely notable about this is that this was the transition point. And I feel like I feel like this particular uh, this particular you know gaming history is all about transitions. But this is the transition point of Resident Evil from a, uh, a third-person fixed perspective survival horror game into an action survival horror type of genre with a viewpoint that followed the character. In this one, you play Leon Kennedy coming back from the second game of, uh, of Res- from the second game, Resident Evil 2, and uh, you are on a mission. There's whole different, new different types of zombies um, and monsters, and it's definitely interesting. Escort quests will always and forever be awful and terrible, but this was a distinct change in the way that the Resident Evil genre, the Resident Evil franchise was going to be. And uh, they've kept to that for Resident Evil's 5, 6, and... 7's kind of different, though. They've kind of changed that up. But, uh, but we won't go there. This was the game that changed the whole franchise for that. Now, this last one that I want to mention is actually a game that I think might surprise you, Mr. Nice Guy, given my, uh, given my pedigree and, uh, and, and the games that I tend to play. I don't think you would have expected to hear this game coming out of my mouth. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit I would two. not have expected that. Not even close. So, um, this is a game that I played on PC with, uh, uh, with my, uh, with my cousin. He had a, you know, he had a very powerful, he loved the game, just loved it. And so I would part, you know, I would participate with him and had a, had a, you know, and, and, you know, kind of watch back in the, in the days before Twitch, some of us would watch our friends play. And that was, that was enjoyable. Over their shoulder. Well, so the Need for Speed series centered around exotic supercars, right? And uh, eventually they added things like, uh, uh, like you know, police chases and things. But this game stands out to me as when I realized how badly some game developers named their whole uh, name, had their naming conventions. Let me, let me just give you the whole range of the Need for Speed games. So starting out, we had the Need for Speed released um, in 1994. The second game was Need for Speed 2. They dropped the the, they added a two, and that was released in 1997. Need for Speed 3 Hot Pursuit was released in 1998, and you would expect Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 to be released afterward, but no. It then went Need for Speed 4 High Stakes. And and let, let me be clear, Need for Speed um, high stakes didn't have the four in there. It was just Need for Speed high stakes in '99. Need for Speed number five, arguably Porsche Unleashed, was released in 2000. Wait, and in what? Porsche Unleashed, it was all just Porsches. It was and called then, Need for Speed Force Unleashed. No, Porsche. Porsche. Yeah, Porsche. Porsche. Uh, nine nine eleven Turbo. Porsche okay, nine eleven Turbo. It. Very specific. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, very specific. And then uh, in uh, and then the the game, the sixth game in the series, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Two. So 
Is it is it Need for Speed 6, Hot Pursuit 2, or is it Need for Speed 3 and a half? Because Need for Speed Hot Pursuit was number three. I Porsche don't know. Edition. But some but somehow somehow the game the naming convention got all messed up. But what do you want from me, EA? What do you want from me from us? And then of course, let's not confuse there was a Need for Speed that was released uh, a couple years later that actually rebooted the franchise and restarted things and they changed things around to start working on uh, like it was more about tuning custom cars rather than driving exotic supercars. So definitely weird definitely weird but this was the game that uh, that i realized that uh that sometimes game companies can just have the strangest naming conventions but hot pursuit was a really fun game i do have to uh do have to admit that so there we go there's a little bit of gaming history just some things for you to uh, uh for you to consider some great games have we have seen released in years past and some other games that just make us scratch our head a little bit fantastic this is one of my favorite i love listening and hearing about the old games that i used to play and hearing a little bit more about them so that's fantastic mac you killed it as always uh, so our next segment, you guys, is uh, it's the topic of the week, which is the segment where we talk about a topic that's relevant to gaming today, something that's hot in the news and we debate. Uh, I just described that terribly, but you'll get it as we go. So this is on GameInformer.com. This deals with Naughty Dog and The Last of Us Part 2. We kind of got into this topic a little bit earlier, Mac, but we're going to delve deeper. So effectively, Naughty Dog has revealed the cast for their game. And I'm going to read through this a little bit, and then we'll talk about my opinion on this, and your opinion as well. It says, Naughty Dog's storytelling is often top-notch. So it is one of the few studios that can get us excited with a simple cast list. The Last of Us Part II's recent trailer is incredibly brutal, but you might have missed some important casting announcements while cringing. Here's a rundown of who's playing each of the characters from the recent trailer. Uh, and they, Naughty Dog tweeted these out. It says there's a guest appearance from Emily Swallow as Emily, Victoria Grace as Yara, Ian Alexander as Lev, and it shows pictures of all these characters. Uh, and finally, Laura Bailey is, and it's blanked out for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, so here's here's my question, Mac. Games being, and it's I'm going to describe it kind of deeply, <laughs> as I do sometimes. Games... Are, are at the point where they are being announced without a release date, right? They're showing us a teaser trailer, and then a few months later, they're showing us another trailer. Now they're announcing a cast list. By the time the game comes out, we know a lot about it. So if you could pick, if you were the gaming guru, and you could pick between companies doing it how they're doing it now, or simply announcing the game when it's close to coming out and letting us experience it for ourselves, which would you pick? Do you like to know a little bit more? Or are companies showing us too much about these games before they come out? What do you think? I like to know more, Mr. Nice Guy. I mean, maybe that makes me kind of weird, but I enjoy some of the, you know, some of the little bits here and little pieces there that I get of a game. It keeps me excited, and uh, frankly, it's uh, pretty much fairly standard for a lot of people. A lot of people feel that way. That's, that's why they do it. Market research seems to indicate that you keep 
people interested. You keep teasing them with little bits, and then that makes them, you know, it, it makes it more, you know, prevalent in their minds. So they're even more likely to talk about it, to uh, to discuss, to buy it in the end, because they've been thinking about it a lot. It's a little touch manipulative, but I kind of like the manipulation. Go ahead, manipulate me more, Naughty Dog. Show me more. <laughs> See, and I don't like it, and here's the reason why. Naughty Dog, one of the best developers in all of gaming, a lot of their recent games have suffered delays. I believe The Last of Us suffered delays. Uncharted 4 definitely, I believe, had at least two delays. But they had showed us so much that they got us hyped. They had us marking on our calendars when the game was going to come out, and then they ripped it out of our our uh, our hands without even us having it in our hands because we, we couldn't get it because they delayed it. So... I don't know. I like to I like to have a game be announced and then just have it come out. You know what I mean? Three months later. Uh, the Last of Us was already a fantastic game. I don't think that they need to show us so much before it comes out to build up hype. I think that simply saying, oh, hey, The Last of Us 2 is coming. It's going to get people hyped. Those who played the first game. It's a fantastic. It's one of the best games ever made. So, I don't know. I feel like... They take away some of the fun for those of us who are purists and really want to experience it uh, by showing us so much. And I'd love to get your guys' opinions in the chat. Do you like knowing so much about games before they come out, or would you rather wait until it comes out? Mac, have you ever gone to see a comedy movie and felt like, oh, everything that's happening in this movie, all the funny parts were in the trailer? Yes. Okay, and I have two, and that's not how I like to play my games. So that's kind of how I feel about it. No, I feel like you have a rebuttal. Uh, no, no, no. I was just going to go even further. I think that's particularly prevalent in things like uh, uh, I, I, I want to say there are a lot of a lot of action movies as well that do well. No, actually, you know, Mister Nice Guy, comedies. Yep, comedies that cram all the best bits into the trailer and leave nothing for the imagination and often are nowhere near as funny as you would have expected given the trailer but i think that's less of the fa- it's that's less a problem of so i guess i do have a rebuttal i i think that's less a problem of the uh of the fact that we've been given too much um as that the movie itself doesn't keep up and that in an attempt to try and uh and maximize you know initial interest and opening weekend um, the movie as a whole suffers because the expectations are set a lot higher. So we wind up chasing bad money, good money after bad movies, if that makes sense. That's a really good, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Now, I'll give you one example from a movie, and then we can move on if you mm-hmm. want to, because I know we have other stuff to do to talk about. Um, think about the most recent Captain America movie, Avengers movie, right? Have you seen that one? Mm-hmm. So it's Civil War, Marvel Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's Captain America versus Iron Man, right? Uh, and they're debating about whether or not the Avengers should be able to be regulated by government, right? I'm just saying this to refresh your memory. Have you seen this one? I assume you have. I have seen this one. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Before the movie even came out, we knew that Captain America and Iron Man were going to be at odds uh, because the trailers made that very clear. And, in fact, the actors in the movie were tweeting out, who are you with? Are you with Team Captain? Are you with Team Iron Man? Who are you with? Um, And so we knew that that was going to be the plot of the movie So then when we go to the theater and we sit down to watch the movie, we're not so much wondering what is going to happen, but we're wondering how are we going to get there, right? How are we going to get to the point where these two people who are on the same team, who are fighting the same fight for the past few movies, are at odds with each other? 
And to me, that's almost like having a huge spoiler before you even walk in. And I don't like that. And so for me, that's why I like my games to not tell me too much before I get them in my hands. Uh, and that's the best way I can describe it. And I respect other people's opinions. Um, now, here's the thing. Someone, someone in the chat right now is saying, this is the thing about movie or game trailers. If you don't want to be spoiled, don't watch them. Exercise some self-control and refrain. Um, I'm just all I'm gonna say is that that's so much easier said than done in in the world of social media in the world of you know news and TV and tweets and YouTube um, it's I mean that's so much easier said than done uh, Mac, if I if I may interject yeah. I have uh, a general guideline for spoilers that I believe should be adopted worldwide and uh, since this is the forum for me to give my unsolicited advice, I will endeavor to dispense it now. And that is that if it is within a certain period of time, and myself, I have that pegged at, uh, at you know, about three years, it is my responsibility as the presenter, as the commentator of whatever, to make sure that I issue a spoiler alert. And I say somewhere three years, which maybe that's generous, but there's so much content out there to see. So many movies, games, things like that. But after that cutoff period of time, it's your responsibility as the, you know, as the the other side, as the other person, to stop me from spoiling something. So I'm not going to spoil Stranger Things 2. I'm not going to spoil Stranger Things 1. But House of Cards Season 1, for example... Or something like, uh, ah, something like uh, The Sixth Sense, that M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Sixth right, Sense. Yeah, That's point. your responsibility at this point to tell me to stop. And I feel like, I feel like, you know, things like, for example, tweets, things like that that you might accidentally come across. At a certain point in time, I feel like the responsibility is on us, the people who are talking, to make sure that we put that spoiler alert out to, you know, to... To, to keep people to keep people safe from our spoils. So a- anyway, I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, no, that's a great note to end on, and uh, and that's kind of what we think. If you guys ever have a topic you want us to share for topic of the week, week, tweet it to us at Two Nerds in a Pod, and we may check it out. Mac, I'll turn it over to you, man. Okay, so this next segment is all about crowdfunding. Uh, and uh, we like to call this segment Kick or Kickstart because we encourage you, the listener, the, the viewer, to participate with this. So those of you who are listening to this podcast after the fact on your commute, feel free to just yell it out. Nobody on the bus will mind, and we will tally the results later. And for those of you who are here for the live recording, be sure to put your opinion in the chat. Um, I will present a Kickstarter, Mr. Nice Guy and I will talk, some of the pros, some of the cons, and then at the end we will give our deliberation, us as well as those of you here, um, as to whether we think this should be kickstarted. It is good, it deserves some funding and some money, let's go for it, or if we think it should be kicked, kicked to the curb, get rid of it because it's not worth it. And this one is, oh, I'm excited about this one, Mr. Nice Guy. Okay, I've Let's put hear. a link in the chat. It's called Resurrection of the Night, Alucard's Eulogy. So this is an orchestral remake of the music from Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Ooh. done by um, a group called Material Collective, based out of uh, Seattle. And this is not, and and this is great. This is not their first time doing an orchestral remake 
of a uh, of a beloved um, of a beloved uh, video game score. So what they're looking for is they're looking for thirty thousand dollars in order to get a. Hang on, let me find it. Do 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 do. Um, blah blah. Hang on, what's it? Uh, to get a live orchestra and choir, I think something like sixty-four piece orchestra is what they're hoping to uh, hoping to get. Um, in order to redo this one, they do make mention of uh, last year in twenty sixteen. They raised over fifty thousand to create and record their licensed orchestral version of uh, Ocarina of Time soundtrack with a 64 piece, so maybe that's where it's hanging around, but the name of that orchestral remake is Hero of Time and it's fantastic. Um, so a- anyway, I'll kind of uh, I'll kind of leave it there, but with a with a quick word about the timeline revolving around that they're planning on an album release this time next year with uh, the arrangement and or and orchestration, which they're going to uh, which they're going to do uh, from now until March. Booking, making the score, editing, mixing, you know, and actually doing the recording around the middle of next year, and then having releases on CD, vinyl, and such for distribution in uh, in August, uh, September, and then the final release in um, in 2018. So, if, for example, you want a um, an album, a digital copy of the of the albums, um, then you'll be looking at getting that in October for a buy-in of, say, $25. Um, and then the early bird version, which comes out before that, but not too much before that, is, uh, is $20 for the, for the early bird. But anyway, it's a, you know, just a reworking of the, uh, of the, uh, a two-volume reworking of Symphony of the Night. And, uh, if the Ocarina of Time soundtrack hero of time is any indication this is going to be fan freaking tastic so uh so yeah mr nice guy what what do you think poke some holes in it uh you know honestly i think this is fantastic i like that they can say yo we've done this four times before you know what i mean or three times before i was just reading through it um it always inspires more confidence when someone has had a successful kickstarter in the past Mm -hmm. you know that they know what goes into it so one, they really want to deliver because it's part of their reputation, and two, they're more likely to because they're experienced. So um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of some of the prices that they're charging. Is it $25 and you get a copy? I'm trying to find it. Uh, 20 and 25 oh, you 20 get both is the early bird, and 25 is after the early birds are gone. Okay. No, that's, I mean, that's reasonable, I guess. I guess the thing that confuses me, are they producing mm-hmm. the CD? They're not actually the orchestra themselves because they're trying to pay to bring an orchestra in. Is that right? Yes, they are the, they're the producers slash, um, uh, slash arrangers and okay. composers. So they're, so they're doing, so they're making the funds to have the time to uh, rearrange the score, to prepare it for, for, for full orchestra and choir release and then um, the rest of the monies to bring the people there so that they can do the recording and then do the mixing and everything and put so it together. So I'm, I'm going to say I think this is even more impressive then because the premise of putting out an album for $30,000, when you think about all the moving parts and all the people that you need to pay and potentially using copyrighted music, so getting licensing, um, paying the orchestra and then taking royalties and things like that into consideration, 
Uh, $30,000 is a lot of money, but to produce an album like this and have cover art and, uh, and produce physical copies uh, is, is, is hard for this price. So I'm going to say, well, I'm not going to vote yet, but I, I have only positive things okay. to say. And so for my side, we know Mr. Nice Guy, when I am considering a crowdfunding project, I have one big rule. What is and it, Mac? And it, it needs to have a playable demo. Can I see the fruits of the labor of these people on this project? And in a roundabout way, it kind of does. What it does have is it does have some samples. And, of course, they have their previous, uh, their previous things, which arguably are exactly the same as this just for a slightly different uh just for a slightly different video game and like i said hero of time sounds amazing so uh so yeah this passes my tests uh materia collective i'll definitely be picking up a uh, uh picking up a copy of alucard's eulogy um so uh so yeah i'll be seeing if i can't grab one of those early birds for this one so i say kickstart i say kickstart too i don't know if i will personally put money into it but i think that it deserves mm-hmm. to be kickstarted uh and if you like this i think you should go check it out i'm gonna check out hero of time after this mm-hmm. so well that's what we had for our kick or kickstart uh, looks like so far everybody's still uh, everybody's still pretty much on board with the Kickstarter. Haven't heard any nays and lots of yays. So thanks everyone for participating in our Kick or Kickstart, Mister Nice Guy. Over to you, sir. Well, guys, it's time for my favorite segment of the show. It's time for the main event, the Dummy of the Week, 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 Week. A segment of the show where I talk about someone who has done something stupid, idiotic. Or downright dumb and I make fun of them. Now, as a side note, I saw something on Facebook today about someone who ran eight people over with their car before Halloween even started. That should be our dummy of the week, but I don't know too much about what happened there. Um, And it's not related to video games, so we won't uh, get into that. But we do have a video game dummy this week, and this comes from WDTV.com. And Mac, I'll warn you, this is just a short one, man. This is just some boys being boys. The testosterone got out of control, and some bad decisions were made. So let's get into this article. It says, Authorities responded to a call reporting shots fired in the Bridgeview area, excuse me, Bridgeport area, early Thursday morning. Two suspects are now in police custody. According to Chief John Walker of the Bridgeport Police Department, the incident happened just after 2.45 a.m. on Broadway Avenue. He says an argument over a video game prompted one of the suspects to pull a gun and fire shots. No one was struck by the bullets. Now, here's my question immediately. What made you so angry in a video game? And I get it. Video games are intense. I love them. I'm obviously doing this podcast. But what made you so angry that you would pull out a gun and shoot it, but also think, I don't actually want to shoot the person who I'm arguing with. I just want to shoot the gun off because generally if someone gets angry and they pull out a gun, it's to hurt someone. I'm not saying that's right, but to just say like, yo, I actually won that last game. No, actually you didn't. I won that last game. No, trust me. I won. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You know what? I'm going to pull this off and shoot it in the air, but I don't want to hit you because that would be too crazy. Like I don't, I just don't get this logic. That makes no sense to me. Anyway, moving on. The rest of the article says, According to Connect Bridgeport, 
21-year-old Andrew Andres was arrested for wanton endangerment, while 23-year-old Darian Parker was arrested on two outstanding warrants. So maybe that was the guy's plan. Maybe he was like, listen, if you don't stop arguing with me about this video game, I know you have warrants, and I'm going to do something that will make the police come here, look at your ID, and take you to jail. And his, the other guy was like, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah? Bang, bang. Neighbors call the cops. They come in. They're like, dude, did you, uh, do you have a, a parking ticket? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, you're going to jail. Also, your friend who shot the gun off going to jail. But you're just here, uh, and you did some stuff before, so you're going to prison. I don't get this. Uh, Chief Walker says a third person was involved but was believed to be attempting to mediate the situation. He was not arrested. How do you mediate that situation, Mac? If it, Especially once the gun comes out? I'm, I'm leaving the area like I'm not sticking around and uh, and I would be gone. And Mac, it's a short one. There's not a lot of jokes in it, but that's our dummy of the week for this week. Fair enough. Yep. Hey, buddy, don't shoot, man. Probably, probably the only mediation that goes on there, but I think <laughs> out of me. Hey, buddy, think about what you're doing. I know the gun is out and cocked and loaded. But why don't you just put it back in your pocket before you make him go to jail for other infractions? Anyway, Mac, that's what I got. It's back onto you, dude. Okay, so um, so we've got an interesting one. Uh, as we all know, uh, I am when it comes to current games or or recent games, I'm more of a PC man than I am a console man. But when it comes to, of course, retro games. Plenty of consoles to be had there. Well, as such, I have built a lot of computers. And uh, this next story, this this little bit of legalese, legalese. Um, may have some potential impacts for those of us who are PC gamers, or, li- or at least like to build our own PCs. And that happens to be a lawsuit that's, uh, that's being uh, leveled against uh, Newegg, where I know I, in the past, have bought a lot of computer parts. So... It starts with a. Uh, it starts with a company called. Uh, let me get this right. Called Monual. I'm sure I'm not saying that right, but it's M O N E U A L is the is the name of the company that was selling um, that was selling really inexpensive. You know, vacuum cleaners, home theater PCs. You know, stuff like that. Selling them very, very cheaply, and they had dealings with uh, uh, with Newegg. Um, now, in 2015, the CEO of this particular company was uh, convicted by the Seoul South District Court of Fraud and was sentenced to 23 years in prison on account of 31 million dollars in ill-gotten gains. So now the banks. Um, who had given large sums of money to this company, um, who has had, you know, who has, whose CEO has admitted to these, uh, to these fraudulent gains and misreporting of numbers and, and false sales, um, are turning their attention to the likes of Newegg, who is being named in a lawsuit from several of these Korean banks, um, accusing Newegg and a couple of other retailers that sold these products, that were carrying these products, of issuing fake, fake sales orders. So uh, they even went so far in their initial, you know, their initial briefs to call the uh, to call 
the whole thing a one big Ponzi scheme of an, a ruse to create the illusion that Manuel operation was a genuine export business when in fact it wasn't. What? Um, so, uh, so now at this point in time, it's really just developing and Newegg, of course, has said that not only do they know nothing about it, but they have certainly not made uh, made any sort of uh, sort of falsified uh, orders. But uh, but we will see how this plays out. Um, if it does turn out that there's any evidence to support the fact and to support the idea that Newegg had generated false sales orders and assisted in this uh, in this deception, then Newegg might be on the hook for quite a lot of money because if there's one thing that uh, that international commerce does not take lightly that is things like this so yeah just something to keep your eyes on um it may have some impact in the future but uh, but at this current moment definitely sort of a wait and see situation but that is our little bit of legalese for this month or for this week for oh this but week. it is the last day of the month so uh so for this month as well Fantastic. Well, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's been our show. Episode 48 of Two Nerds in a Pod is coming to a close. But before we go, we like to do one last segment called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing, where we talk about what we've been watching and what we've been playing. And also in the chat, you guys let us know what cool, nerdy stuff you've been watching and playing because we're always looking for new games, new movies, new DVDs, new YouTube series. To check out so you guys let us know in the chat right now what you've been up to and then at the end we'll read it but first mac we'll let you start us off with your nerdy media consumption go for it okay well mr nice guy i have been watching just one thing since we spoke last stranger thing oh okay two things stranger things two um mrs the mac and i on sunday we basically did nothing but watch stranger things two Nice. Uh, we just looked at each other in the morning. You know, we both have that day off. We looked at each other in the morning, and we said, you know, all I want to do is just stay in bed and watch Stranger Things too, And we did. That's fantastic. Um, it was a well-needed bit of rest. And then the other thing that we've been watching is we've been watching some Madam Secretary. And oh, she Mrs. got into Mac, it. Well, she's on the fence about it, but much as I predicted, episode three was quite enjoyable for her. That's the one with the uh, Russian, uh, with the Russian guy who tries to lean on the husband a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, Stranger Things, Stranger Things two, and Madam Secretary is what I've been watching, and what I've been playing, Mister Nice Guy. I have to admit, I haven't really played much of anything since we spoke last because i've just because since we've done this show last because just been a little on the busy side but what about you mr nice guy dude so i've been watching what have i been watching man um i gotta remember now i've still been watching madam secretary still finishing up arrow oh i also have gotten into the new season of the walking dead obviously uh and i'm not gonna talk about it because because uh, it's been less than three years like we just discussed you ever notice, Mac, someone says, yo, I just want to tell you one thing about this show, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. There's not going to be. And then they say a spoiler every single time, right? Have you ever noticed that when people do that? I'm not going to be that guy. I hate when people do that. I had this coworker back in the day. Let me ask you this before I get into it. Are you all caught up with The Walking Dead other than this current season that's on TV? Um, Let's see. The last thing that I remember happening was um 
Um, there's a place called The Kingdom where several characters are because okay. yeah. we're kind of split off in some groups. And Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're way past this part that I'm going to talk about then. Oh, so okay. I, well, I, I mean, I'm, I, I still think I'm a season behind. Yeah, but... yeah. This was like two or three oh, okay. seasons ago when they went oh, to okay. Terminus. Good, good. Uh, one of the people basically spoiled to me something about Terminus. And I won't do it because it's been less than three years. But he was like, Rick is going to. And I was like, dude, just shut up. Just let me watch the show. I'm going to watch it tonight. Don't tell me anything. And we can talk about it tomorrow. But he insisted on wanting to tell me. I don't get how people get enjoyment out of that. And he was like an intelligent dude. So he Mm -hmm. wasn't trying to like spoil it. He just wanted to be the one to tell me that something awesome was going to happen. So anyway, Walking Dead, I've been watching that. I won't even comment on it. Uh, What else? Um, That's pretty much it, man. I haven't had a ton of time like you. And as far as gaming, I've really only been playing Destiny 2 and retro stuff. Might pick up Mario Odyssey, but like I said earlier, I probably will wait until Christmas. Uh, Black Friday is coming. So to me, it doesn't make sense to really buy anything at this point. Um, There's some Blu-rays that I want. There's some games that I want, but they'll probably all be on sale on Thanksgiving Day and the day after. So I'm going to hold off. Uh, Mac, do you want to hit up the chat and see what the people have been playing and watching? Absolutely. I'll hit watching if you hit playing. Let's do it. I'll find the, the games, you find the movies. Go for it. All right. So, uh, for watching, we've got some Stranger Things too, and a bunch of 4K Blu-rays. Um, just refinished watching The Grand Tour. That, as you know, is uh, the Amazon uh, top gear with the old presenters. Um, we've got, uh, let's see, Traveler. And K. Um, not exactly sure which one is K, but still nonetheless. Some more Stranger Things 2. Um, watching some Twitch streams. Let's see. What else? Ah, Spider-Man Homecoming, Baby Driver, Wonder Woman, War for the Planet of the Apes, and Planet Earth 2. So that's uh, that's some pretty solid some pretty solid entertainment there. You guys are consuming a lot of nerdy media. It's fantastic. Um, what? Okay, so as far as games, someone just got The Last Guardian. Now, I heard that that got such mixed reviews as a PlayStation 4 game. This this has been an unbelievable year for the PS4, and there's so many games that I'm behind on, you know, that I need to catch up with. That's one of them. I hope that's on sale for like 10 bucks, Black Friday. I'll pick it up. Uh, okay, so Last Guardian. Uh, people are playing. Someone's playing Outland. Someone says playing Metal Gear Solid 5. They say it's an amazing game. Horizon Zero Dawn. The parentheses, second best game of 2017, looks stupendous in 4K HDVR, and it's on sale right now. Yeah, that's right, it is. Uh, Gears of War 4, Matterfall, and Next Machina. Um, let's see. Someone says, playing Town of Salem. Really want to play Throne of Lies, but your laptop overheats. Black Friday, you could get a new laptop. Uh, and I think that's it as far as what people are playing. I'm scrolling through all the movie stuff. Uh, and we'll leave it at that, Mac. Anything else you want to say to the people before we wrap it up on this hollow, All Hallows Eve? Um, happy Halloween. And thank you for joining us for Two Nerds in Pod episode 48, the nerdiest gaming podcast. 
on the planet. We appreciate that you have, uh, that you've been here. And uh, as you know, we'll be putting these episodes up on iTunes. So feel free to download them and go back and relive some of your best Mac craziness and Mr. Nice Guy funny moments. And leave but a you... rating on iTunes. We could really use some ratings. Hit us up, tuners in a pot on iTunes. Absolutely. And you guys are the greatest viewers, greatest listeners, greatest everything. So remember to keep it nerdy. Deuces.